the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. And now for something completely different. Hey, I was, I'm a Hall of Famer. I'm in three Halls of Fame. For the young fans, it, they don't give a damn. They just give a damn about themselves and what they're hearing now. And I got no problem with those rules. I know the rules going in. I'm happy to play the game that way. And when Ivan came off with that uh, knee drop from the top rope and he pinned me, I thought that something happened. I couldn't hear a thing. You could have heard the pin drop in that arena. It touched me so deeply that when I went in the dressing room, I really felt depressed. I'll tell you that, I'll tell you right to his face. If if Hogan and I, if he wanted to get in a real street fight with me, trust me, he would lose, and he knew it. You know, that's the other thing. They give you the belt, and they're like, okay, you're in charge of me. I was like, what? When you mention a guy like Harley Race, that kind of legendary status, it's obvious why people would get upset. Or as I'm concerned, Roddy Piper was not a wrestler. He wasn't even a good worker. If he had to go out and work his way to the top and not have good friends like Jim Barnett. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying he's not a good guy. He's just not a tough guy. Bro, I swear to you, I don't have an ego. Like, I don't give a crap. I, that stuff is not important to me. People don't know me. They have no idea of who I am. They know of me as being a fictional character that they saw on TV. People didn't understand that, you know, the guy they saw in the ring that happened to be using his real name and happened to actually be the president of the company, they really believed that that guy that they loved to hate was actually a pretty decent guy. And I think many people have the perception that I really was that character. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. Since the survival of the fittest tournament late last year, where Brett Titus kind of misconstrued that nomenclature and dumped himself the literal fittest on the roster, and you want to look at pound for pound, uh, body fat percentage, you want to look at uh, so many different categories of fitness, of bodybuilding, of aesthetics. I think Red Titus runs away with those accomplishments. And you can't take away from his in-ring ability, former world tag team champion. He has been at the center of some of the most pivotal and controversial moments in Ring of Honor history over the past 13 years. And a bit of a most muscular, followed by Elevated sit-out power bomb. Oh, that was beautiful. And that got the job done. Rhett Titus the victor. And your winner of the match, Rhett Titus. Hello and welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. This is your host, JP John Paz. And on today's feature episode, a part of the two-man power trip of wrestling's podcasting empire, we welcome in the former Ring of Honor Top of the class trophy winner, the former Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champion. He was an FIP Florida Heritage Champion. He is, of course, Rhett Titus, who has had a long time coming to the show, being a fellow New Jersey native as I am. And as Rhett is, it's been a long time coming to have him on the show because when we started many, many years ago with this show, he was just one of those guys like, man, we got to interview a fellow Jersey and we got to. You know, interview a guy that we literally live right down the street from, but somehow, some way, it never kind of came to fruition. We never connected until now, and of course, we are promoting Ring of Honor's return, all a part of the Honor Club, of course. And then, if you can get it, Sinclair Broadcasting, check out Ring of Honor 
on TV as well. But we're really kind of promoting the fact that they're back. I mean, it's been months since you've seen Ring of Honor anywhere because of the pandemic, because of COVID-19, but they are back and better than ever. They taped a bunch of shows out of the bubble in Baltimore, Maryland, and they're back and they're better than ever. We talk about staying in shape and, and really how do you do that? And how do you still train to wrestle during this pandemic when you can't go to the gyms, you can't do mass gatherings, you can't be working out in rings. So how do you kind of stay in shape and still maintain that level of athleticism and, you know, you know, maybe you're saving on the bump card a little bit, but how do you kind of get back in the ring and perform when these tapings start again? So we'll go into that and we'll kind of really, really delve into how Ring of Honor handled the situation, how he really loved it, and how the whole bubble thing was handled. You know, the hotel, the mask, the gloves, the hand sanitizer, me, hand sanitizer all that good stuff. We'll also talk about his career in Ring of Honor, the feud with Delirious, his love for Daisy Hayes, the All Night Express with Kenny King, winning the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championship at the Best in the World 2012 with Kenny King, obviously, with the All Night Express, beating Haas and Benjamin, the world's greatest tag team. We'll also talk about his entire run in Ring of Honor, including the romantic touch gimmick, which may or may not be him. You'll find out in the interview, of course. We'll also talk about the All Night Express return, the Briscoe Brothers, the Young Bucks, the American Wolves, the Kings of Wrestling, the New Japan Pro Wrestling Ring of Honor G1 Supercard in Madison Square Garden in New York City, the Honor Rumble, and kind of everything in between there's so much goodness in this interview we'll even talk a little bit about this current gimmick that he's got going on and how he really is kind of uh pulling a lex luger if you will as far as the flexing and the really kind of staying in shape and showing everybody how much he's been working out so i just really enjoyed this interview like i said it was a long time coming i really enjoyed it and of course you can check out rohwrestling.com for the latest in ring of honor and i highly Highly recommend the Honor Club. You'll get some great matches from the Ring of Honor history, of course, involving Rhett himself, but the other great Ring of Honor legends as well, like his former trainer, Austin Aries, and his other former trainer, Brian Danielson, both of which we'll talk exclusively and extensively about in this interview. So without any further ado, I want to send it on over to the interview. Before that, just want to mention the other shows, part of the two-man power trip of wrestling's podcasting empire, Taskmaster Talks with Kevin Sullivan on the Creative Control Network, University of Dutch with Dutch Mantel, which is on the MLW Radio Network, Dr. Tom's Taking You to School, which is available on the TMPT feed, Shane Douglas's Triple Threat Podcast, which is available on Vince Russo's The Brand. Speaking of The Brand, also on The Brand's YouTube channel, that is Vince Russo's Just Incredibles Pro Wrestling 101. And of course, Trump Mania, which is available on Omni Studios and wherever you get your podcast. Great uh, podcast with Lavi Margolin. Then, last but certainly not least, Rick Bassman's Talking Tough, which is available on the Podcast One Network. If you want to find out about each and every one of these shows, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Two Man Power Trip. You can also check out the website, tmptempire.com. So, without any further ado, we're going to send it on over to the former Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champion, Rhett Titus. Addicted to love. Titus. And everybody knows the thrust is a must. Don't come on back with a better rock. These thighs hypnotize. Believe for Red Ski. Because they want to ride his dead ski. He's got shoulders like Buddha's and Nels Please don't panic. That's no shaking. It's 
All right. Joining us on the line right now is a former FIP Florida Heritage Champion, a former Ring of Honor Top of the Class Trophy winner, and, of course, a Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champion. He is, of course, Rhett Titus. Rhett, welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What's going on, John? Thank you for having me on the two-man power trip today. So this is, and we're just kind of joking around saying this crazy world we live in. So what is going on? I mean, are you, are you been able to you know, stay in shape and work out? Uh, what do you, what the heck have you been up to? Yeah, actually, um, I, uh, I kind of got a feeling because we were out in Las Vegas and our, you know, the ring of honor shows were canceled out there and, uh, everything started shutting down in Vegas. And when I got home, I was like, Oh, you know, this isn't looking too good. So I went and I, uh, I already had some dumbbells at home, but I went and got some extra kettlebells and extra, uh, like, uh, resistance bands and that sort of thing. And, uh, just to be prepared. And then sure enough, a few days later, you know, all the gyms were shut down in New Jersey and they, they just opened back up two weeks ago. (laughs) So that was from March to, you know, September, (laughs) which is kind of crazy, especially for, New Jersey people who are, uh, you know, are all about gym, tan, laundry and all that stuff. But, uh, <laughs> yep. you know, uh, I was doing the, um, I was doing with the bands and the, the, uh, the, um, the dumbbells and, you know, I was, oh man, I just need a little something more, a little something more. One day I was driving down the street and I, I looked over to my right and I seen a, uh, uh, adjustable weight bench just sitting on the garbage perfectly brand new i was like uh is this like a sign from god (laughs) like uh it was just crazy and i was like okay and it had like a nice preacher curl attachment and then uh about a week later my um my neighbor was getting rid of a bunch of stuff so he was getting rid of a smith machine and like a pull-up station with a with a dip bar and uh ab chair on it and uh he was getting rid of um uh, another adjustable uh, weight bench with um, with uh, leg extensions and ham ham curl uh, hamstring curl attachment to it as well. So um, I've been uh, I've been pretty lucky over here to uh, be able to stay in shape. And you know I haven't even really uh, gone back to the gym yet, just to because you know I kind of got in a routine here when. You know, my uh, one-year-old goes down for a nap. I go outside. I work out. Usually by the time I'm done working out, he's waking up. So it kind of works out perfectly. And he goes down for a second nap, but I'll go back out there again, you know. So it, uh, it's a lot easier than having to drive to the gym and you get there and your wife calls like, oh, my gosh, this just happened. I need you to come back right away. Because, you know, she's working from home and stuff. So, you know, it's uh, – it's quite convenient for me right now just to work out at home. Uh, eventually, you know, once, you know, all the, everything dies down a little bit, you know, I'll be getting back to the, to the actual gym. But for right now, I'm, uh, I'm doing pretty well here. Uh, you know, managing on my own. Nice. I am a fellow Jersey guy as well. So I know how people are with the gyms and a lot of these people were pretty damn pissed at the governor saying, you know, open the stuff up. Uh, you know, let's, uh, let's get going here, Murphy. So I know, uh, that how Jersey people are. Yeah, it got, it got uh, pretty crazy there for a while, especially with those Attilus guys out in Belmar. But, um, yeah, you know, I I, uh, I understood it, you know. It was, it was for the benefit of everybody. And, uh, you know, luckily because, you know, back in March, April, Jersey was, you know, a severe hot spot. But luckily, you know, uh, it's not that bad for the coronavirus here right now. So everything uh, is working out good. Yeah, uh, for sure. Now, what is kind of your current status as you're getting ready to go back with Ring of Honor, right? I mean, I guess enter the the Ring of Honor bubble, and it's going to be returning during this uh, pandemic over in Maryland, right? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, we um, we just had uh, the bubble and some tapings that are going to play out on uh, Ring of Honor TV over the next eight weeks, um, and it was a pretty uh, pretty um, surreal thing, you know. Usually. You know, you you get a, you get to the hotel. You know, you see somebody in the lobby chit chatting. All the boys are hanging out, and uh, this was uh, nothing like that. Ring of Honor took this all very seriously. Um, literally, you got into the hotel, you checked in. <laughs> there was a 
a face mask and uh, hand sanitizer and a bunch of other little goodies waiting for you at the desk. And you went to your room and you were not to leave your room whatsoever until the next morning where you were to get the COVID testing. And then it was back into your room until you got the results. And uh, once you got the results, you still had to stay in your room. But then eventually when the, you know, we could leave once the shows were, were, um, being taped and uh then right back to the room and uh you know it was uh it was uh interesting few days you know just sitting there you know it's uh, it was kind of relaxing to be honest because uh you know I'm always on the go moving 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 and I have a 1 year old too so you know I'm chasing him around the house all day and changing diapers and doing all that stuff so uh, even though I missed him, it was kind of relaxing to, you know, just have a nice little break where I could just relax. And I, I brought uh, brought all my work, workout equipment with me, too. So I, uh, I had some interesting workouts in the hotel room. I hmm. turned my couch into an incline bench. And, uh, you know, I was getting it in every day. And uh, it was funny, uh, you know, the, <laughs> the one day I, I tried hanging the pull-up bar from the, the door in the bathroom, but... Like, you know, if you ever seen that perfect pull-up where you can hang it mm-hmm. from the, from oh, the yeah. doorway. Yep. Yeah, the hotel uh, doorway wasn't really um, wasn't really thick enough, and I went to do some leg raises, and whoosh, boom, took a nice uh, <laughs> nice flat back bump on the uh, bathroom floor. And then uh, the next day I was trying to do some uh, – I had this big, thick, uh, like, uh, resistance band, like a, a, like a pulley-type one. I was trying to do some uh, – some uh some like uh bicep curls with it and just snap back and hit me right in the eyes oh man. yeah it, it instantly brought me down instant bloodshot eyes it's funny uh then i got a tweet like uh like a few hours later like jay lethal because i posted about it on twitter he's like is that what i heard up above me and he said <laughs> every day Every morning he would just hear the weights like clanging and banging against the floor and stuff. Even though you know I, you know, try to you know drop my weights gently and not make noise, but you know there's gonna be some that slip through the cracks, you know. But yeah, you know it was, it was cool though. You know it was different, different way of training and a different way of operating and doing things. You know we had to wear masks the whole entire time we were at the building. Um, the only time you're allowed to take your mask off is when you're going out to the ring on camera. But the second that you got back through the curtain, um, you had to have your mask back on, you know, the Maryland state athletic commission. Uh, even before the COVID rest- restrictions was a very, very, very strict um, wrestling commission. So now with all this other coronavirus stuff in the air, even more strict, probably one of the most strict places you could have, you know, done TV tapings. But they're very on everybody and very hands-on, making sure nobody was, you know, messing things up. But uh, it's very, uh, very comforting to know that Ring of Honor tested 118 people coming into the TV TV tapings and 118 people going out of the TV tapings and nobody tested positive. So uh, that looks good for the future. Yeah, that's excellent. Uh, no positive tests. Definitely, uh, you know, as you move forward and, and obviously want to do more tapings and run more shows. So that is obviously ideal. So what did you think about the way everything was handled? That just like the perfect uh, job by uh, Ring of Honor? Yeah, you know, uh, Ring of Honor really went above and beyond to um, to make everybody feel comfortable and make everybody feel safe. And to be honest, you know, even though it sucked, you know, not wrestling for all those months, you know, it, it was probably for the better because, you know, to be traveling during all of that and all these people come from different states and some people who live in different countries, you know, it's it's just like a, it would be like a big cesspool and then we're all going back to our homes and our areas and, you know, it, it'd be really bad for, you know, trying to, trace the virus if anybody caught it or anything like that but ring of honor took care of us while we weren't wrestling you know um never missed a paycheck never um was a paycheck late you know 
every paycheck was actually early too. So, um, and there was no pressure from them to like try to try to get things back up and running. You know, it was it was very like very like, hey, we're gonna see how um, things go. And there was at one point we were about to, uh, I think in July we were gonna do some tapings. And then uh, they're like, hey, things start spiking again, so we're going to hold off on it until everybody's ready and everything's better. And uh, I was very, uh, very appreciative, you know, especially having a a young baby and and wife at home that, you know, Ring of Honor took all the measures that they did and treat us all the way that they did, you know, when other companies, you know, letting people go or, you know, having them – work every week and, you know, just doing temperature checks, you know, um, not only did we have to do the, the testing before and after the shows, but each time we went to the building, we had to get our temperature checked, had to fill out the questionnaire, you know, just in case something happened along the way, you know, we weren't allowed to go out to eat. We had to, um, you know, um, order all our food in and, and stuff like that. And, uh, it was a very uh, efficient way of doing things to make everybody feel safe and comfortable. And I'm very thankful for that. So with ring of honor, and obviously, you know, you said they're, they're taped a bunch of shows. They got a bunch of stuff coming out. Are you excited that they get the pure title tournament? I mean, they're really trying to uh, come out with a bang, right? I mean, they want to return and really get some eyes back on the product. Yeah. Um, now I, I sat there and I watched, every match in the pure title tournament and um, fans are really going to be in for a treat. Um, the way that, you know, ring of honor was presented during these TV tapings is, uh, is like a page, you know, uh, out of the old book of ring of honor, like back, you know, when I think like Oh four Oh five, where, you know, ring of honor was that wrestling company, there's a lot of wrestling companies nowadays, but nobody's really that wrestling company where it's, you know, a lot of people, you know, flip-flop and flying around these days. You know, this is good old-fashioned wrestling. And, it, and you know, some of the uh, the matches are just amazing, and I'm really excited for people to, to follow along with it and, and watch along with it because everybody's in for a real treat. And, you know, the, the pure title hasn't been around since 2006, when Brian Danielson uh, unified the Ring of Honor world title and the pure title. So, and that adds a whole nother element because there's different rules and uh, it's a whole, whole different style of wrestling too. So it's going to be, it's going to be awesome to see on TV because I can guarantee you that it is nothing like anything that is on TV right now. (laughs) You know, like Mm -hmm. I watched, I watched so much wrestling during the, uh, during the pandemic and all this empty arena wrestling. And uh, it is nothing like what you have seen on TV. So um, expect something totally different and totally fresh and expect Ring of Honor to make a lot of noise with this pure title tournament. Nice. Love it. And speaking of Brian Danielson, you were trained by the American Dragon, Brian Danielson, right? I mean, that was kind of your foray into Ring of Honor and your foray into wrestling. Yeah, um, so I originally trained with Austin Aries at the Ring of Honor Training Academy, and uh, after about a year, he uh, he um, he stepped down, and uh, Brian Danielson stepped in, and uh, I got to train with Brian um, for you know quite a few months. Um, but the thing with Brian was no one ever any of his students uh, that came through uh, never really finished. <laughs> you know they. Uh, um, I guess it was just a, a weird time to try to get in wrestling at that point, and no one really uh, came out. So we had a lot of, uh, you know, on, personal, you know, one-on-one type training with Brian too, because there wasn't very many new students. So, you know, he was just helping out all the old students and making us better and making us think outside the box. Um, it was very, very advanced training too. Um, and I was very, very green at the point, you know, we're talking, I'm only, uh, I was only a year into wrestling at that point. So, uh, and even like sometimes now, like I'll think about like, uh, some of the things he was 
teaching us then and like now it's like oh okay I, I get that now you know I didn't really get it at the time or get why we were doing things a certain way at the time but totally get it now and you know have a much finer appreciation for it you know uh, it was always a struggle to get to Brian's class because you know he would start class um, a little bit earlier I think he would start at like four o'clock in the afternoon and I'd, I'd always be coming from work and I'd always hit hit traffic and you know wind up get, getting there late and I would always have to do like extra exercises and whatever drill we were doing I'd always have to do extra and just a you know as punishment and I remember the one day um I was I was gonna I was gonna be on time that day I was so happy I'm like oh yeah thank god I'm gonna be on time and then like you know 10 minutes away from the school I hit traffic I'm like oh no like I'm in traffic now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be late. So I was like, you know what? I'm just because at four o'clock you had to like be like in your gear, like ready to go in the ring, you know, or you were you were deemed late. So I was like, oh no, oh no, oh no. And like, um, I was like, you know what? I'm in traffic. I'll just get dressed now. So I threw my knee pads on, threw my boots on, got all ready while I'm sitting in traffic. Pull out to the school at like. 3:58. I'm like running up and I like roll into the ring at four o'clock. I'm like, oh, thank God. And uh, Brian's like, oh, wow, you, you made it on time. I'm like, oh yeah. And you know, we start, and then all of a sudden Brian stops class, and he's like, who brought dirt into my ring? And. <laughs> Everybody uh, looks at the bottom of their shoes, and of course, I'm the last one to look at my bottom, my boots. And of course, I dragged dirt from the parking lot into the ring, and I had to do extra drills and extra exercises, anyways. So um, that's why they say only wear your boots into uh, the wrestling ring. <laughs> yes, lesson learned uh, for sure. Now, as far as kind of getting into Ring of Honor and, and wrestling, kind of started with that top of the class trophy, and you know, all you guys, kind of young guys, right? That was kind of your first kind of entrance into being actually in, you know, in the Ring of Honor ring. Yeah, yeah. Prior to that, I had only really been doing like dark matches and uh, pre-show matches for Ring of Honor at that point, but um, I made my like official debut with the main roster. Um, on May 7th at a, a a new level. So that was the first Ring of Honor show at Hammerstein Ballroom, um, which was uh, all the other previous Ring of Honor shows in New York City were at the Grand Ballroom or something like that, and um, which was upstairs from um, the Hammerstein Ballroom. So I... And I, I would never get booked at the Grand Ballroom. I was always like, oh, man, this is the Manhattan Center where Raw was. I really want to wrestle here. And there was never, like, any pre-show dark matches, and I just never found my way onto the show. So when the ha- when the Hammerstein show sh- um, happened, I was like, uh, you know, I mean, I haven't been on any Grand Ballroom ones. And, you know, not uh, it's not going to be on this one. I remember um, – I remember, like, going to Chipotle and, like, you know, eating a bunch of food and, like, coming back to the building. And Gabe Sapolsky, who was the booker at the time, was like, hey, Rhett, um, you're on the main show tonight. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, totally took me by surprise. He's like, yeah, um, I'll get with you at intermission about it. And I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> and um, he uh, – he, uh, finally got me at intermission and my segment was right after intermission. So, and told me I had a promo to do at, at the Hammerstein ballroom, you know, introducing myself and that sort of thing. So I was like, Oh my gosh. Like, okay. Luckily, you know, you always have that like money promo in your back pocket for times like this. And I went out there and I um, started confessing my love towards uh, Daisy Hayes and, um, as the fans put it, that they cock-blocked Delirious (laughs) from uh, trying to confess his love to her. And uh, we went on a little thing there where uh, I was feuding with, uh, I kept trying to win Daisy's love and feuding with Delirious at the same time as he was trying to win her love. And along that route, I uh, beat Ernie Osiris for the top of the class trophy. 
um, in Philadelphia at the Armory, and uh, that was pretty cool, you know. But at that point, I was kind of um, I don't want to I don't want to like um, you know sound like uh, egotistical or anything, but I was kind of beyond the trophy at that point. Mm-hmm. And, yep. uh, you know, there wasn't really, uh, I didn't really get to have a whole lot of defenses of it because I was featured in other storylines, angles, and other bigger matches. And then it got to a point, well, hey, you know, we're not going to have any student beat him. So it kind of just went away. And one day, Delirious, you know, bashed it over my face. And that was the end of the top of the class trophy. I used to love, I don't know about you, I used to love that um, armory in Philly. It was one of my favorite venues. I don't know why. I just always thought that was a great venue for uh, Ring of Honor. Yeah, the armory was definitely a cool venue. Um, I I don't know if you happen to be there, but the the best time to be at the armory was during the ROH CZW feud. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, literally, there was a a side of the Ring of Honor fans on one side and the CZW fans on the other side of the bleachers, and it was just just madness, you know. Um, The Ring of Honor CZW feud, uh, it was, it was like, like, I was very, like, I was only a few months into actually wrestling at that point. I think I had debuted January that year, and it started in January and kind of, finished in july or august one of those months at the cage of death but um that was my first time uh you know being in a feud not not, i wasn't the the main point of the feud or anything but i had little spots in the feud and stuff like that with just like brawls and stuff but um i remember it being very real you know like Mm -hmm. i remember um being it was uh, at the arena warfare show and there was a, a big we were just told oh, a big brawl at the end of the show you know blah, blah blah and all of a sudden um you know we're fight fighting 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 and then all of a sudden i see uh i believe it was wife beater at the time come out with a damn weed whacker and no one had any said anything about a weed whacker coming into play and i was like i'm getting the hell out of here and i took off and and then, you know, we were brawling with some guys from CZW outside of the arena. And then uh, all of a sudden, the CZW fans jumped in. And, you know, we had to fight off uh, the CZW fans, you know. Mm-hmm. So yep. it, it, was, it was very crazy, very real. And uh, I was like, damn, like, is this what wrestling is like? Um, so I can only imagine what guys like, you know, Jim Cornette and the Midnight express you know experience in like mid-south and all those other places because i'm like man this is this is pretty awesome i was at all those shows and the thing that me and my buddy we used to because we used to go to them like man it just felt real like you see those fans really didn't like the roh fans and vice versa and then arena warfare was nuts with the the, the ccw guys taking over uh the 100th anniversary show was nuts with the ccw taking over the uh, Cage of Death was awesome. ROH finally kind of got their win back. Yeah, that was a, a great time to be uh, in Ring of Honor and be a wrestling fan. Yeah, it was uh, it was a great time to be a wrestler too because you know it was it's very uh, it was very cool just to sit back and like watch it and you know be a little part of it as well. And so some of those matches were brutal. You know, poor BJ Whitmer. You know that guy. Uh, he took a, a beating during that feud, you know, and a, a lot of the CZW guys showed up to play too, you know, uh, and a lot of the CZW guys showed that they were, you know, more than just blood and guts, you know, guys yep. like uh, Eddie Kingston and Necro Butcher and um, Nate Webb, you know, all kind of, um, you know, showed up and showed up to play. <laughs> Great stuff. Now, and, and we, 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 we can't forget about that classic uh, Jim Cornette, John Zandig. Uh, oh, promo. my God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The debate, yeah. yeah, that was, yeah. Whoever booked that deserves a raise. Yeah, I guess uh, Gaby was booking, that That, that was hilarious. Uh, yeah. Cornette, hard to beat uh, in the debate, that's, that's, that's yeah, uh, yeah. for sure. And uh, Zandig is, you know, he can be a little wacky. Uh, for, yeah, for sure. Yeah, a little bit. 
So just fast forwarding a little bit, when you start teaming up with Kenny King, the All Night Express, and really, you know, guys start making a name for yourselves and, and kind of are climbing the ranks of a very, very good and a very, very underrated Ring of Honor tag team division at that time. Yeah, it was uh, pretty, uh, pretty, pretty crazy because you know I never really thought about being a tag team wrestler. You know, I was kind of always just thinking about like singles wrestling, just because that's what I had always done up until that point. And I'll, remember, I'll never forget the first time I met Kenny King. Um, maybe the first or second time I met him, didn't really have much of an opinion of him yet. Um, but it was in Chicago, and it happened to be my birthday. And I had a pre-show match. It was like, I want to say like me and Ernie Osiris versus Bobby Dempsey and Silas Young. Pre-show match, Chicago, my birthday. I'm warming up. I'm doing some push-ups in the back, you know. And um, Gabe's sitting there watching me do all these push-ups, and he's like sitting there watching watching impressed like, oh yeah you know this guy's doing all these push-ups before he goes out there you know he's not even blown up and then um kenny walks by and he sees gabe looking down at me impressed doing these push-ups and sees me doing the push-ups and he goes to gabe shit gabe i don't even got to do push-ups to, before i go out there to look good and <laughs> and i was just like this mother and and Gabe just kind of looked at me like, yeah, well, what a schlep. You know, he's over here doing push-ups. Yeah, who needs that? And I'm just like, this guy, you know? So fast forward, um, Kenny has um, Kenny has a match later on, and it was him and somebody else versus B.J. Whitmer and Brent Albright. And Kenny gets the hot tag, and he goes for his springboard blockbuster, and he springboards up, and he just eats it, you know. And the the whole crowd just starts chanting FIP. And I I was sitting at ringside doing ringside security as one of my young boy duties. And you know I I might as well have just hopped out of my seat and started chanting you you messed up you messed mm-hmm. up you messed yep. up with everybody else, you know, because of you know how he treated me in the back before. And then. Uh, so, yeah, and then I didn't see Kenny around for a while, and then um, he popped back up, you know, around the time Adam Pierce started booking, and then Adam Pierce was like, hey, uh, I'm going to make you guys a tag team. And I was like, uh, and Kenny was like, uh, and we both looked at each other like, uh, but I was always of the mindset, like, you know, you got to – make uh chicken salad out of chicken shit right so right. uh do the do the best with whatever you're given and so and you know kenny was kind of on the same mind mindset too like you know i think he had just signed with ring of honor at that point and he was like oh i guess i gotta uh you know team with this guy and then we started noticing that we had some chemistry together and uh then we started developing chemistry outside of the ring and then it all just came together for us and we became uh, a very uh well well uh tuned unit a well-oiled machine that's interesting yeah, well, like, that's that's what i was looking for <laughs> it's just so interesting like when you think about different personalities like how could those two guys like let's just say you know he's kind of the cocky guy you're working hard he's being a little bit of a show off, you know, you're doing push-ups and, you know, getting ready, staying focused. And, you know, maybe he comes off a little bit cocky, a little bit fresh, but it's interesting. Some of the tag teams, if you look like through the years, like for the heavenly bodies, Jimmy Del Rey and Dr. Tom Pritchard off the tag team in the ring, but out of the ring, they didn't get along at all. So it's interesting to see how chemistry can develop in the ring, but not necessarily outside of the ring. Right. Yeah. You know, um, luckily for us, you know, we had, both, you know, because when you're riding with somebody and rooming with somebody, you know, you don't want to be a person that you uh, dislike, you know. Yes. Yep. Uh, so luckily, we uh, we managed to, uh, you know, kind of bond and uh, you know develop a friendship as we were developing our tag team as well. 
So that tag division then, I mean, stack, I mean, the, the Bucks were there at that point, uh, the Briscoe brothers, who are obviously one of the greatest teams still going in, in Ring of Honor. Of course, Haas and Benjamin, who, who you guys beat for the Tag Team Championship at Best in the World 2012. Was that a big moment for you? I mean, for a fan, it's always like, oh, wow, the titles, this is awesome, it's huge. But what does it mean to you as, as being one of the wrestlers that's going to win the Tag Team titles? Uh, yeah, that was, I, uh, to say that was a, uh, big moment would be, uh, uh, understatement. Um, I, I went to the very first ring of honor, uh, show in, um, in Philadelphia at the Murphy rec center. And, you know, once I, that was like nothing I wrestling, like I had never seen before. I was like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. These guys are killing each other. These guys are treating it like a sport this is great. I got to come here every month and I got to see this, you know, and I would, my brother-in-law would religiously take me there every month. So I got to see all those early shows and, you know, I was huge ring of honor fan. And, um, so to, you know, get into the school and then get onto shows and then eventually win the tag titles was like, you know, (laughs) it was like a, a dream come true. And, um, there was like a, uh, you know, I remember being in the building when they crowned the first tag team champions at um, the show was called Unscripted in uh, September of 2002. And uh, and then to go on and win the Ring of Honor tag titles in a sold out Hammerstein ballroom in a, a building that I thought that I would never even get to wrestle in, that never mind win the tag titles in the semi-main event, one of the biggest shows of the year on uh pay-per-view you know it's uh it was a big moment and you know all my family and friends were there and it was just like man like i worked so hard to get here and everything that i did to everything i sacrificed it was all worth it and it was a great feeling uh for about like uh two weeks (laughs) you know and then uh I got the bad news that we were being stripped of the Ring of Honor tag titles. Right. And talked to Kenny a few weeks ago about the situation kind of behind getting stripped and him going to TNA and I guess maybe not having a full-blown contract. But, yeah, that kind of stinks, right? I mean, the, the ultimate high of winning the titles, being such a good fan, going to all those shows, literally living and breathing Ring of Honor, becoming the champs definitely stinks. Um, kind of having to lose it in, in that situation right yeah you know um i mean i understand that uh you know kenny had to do what he thought was best for him at that point and uh you know uh, i wish you know it could have been worked out a different way but you know you know jim Cornette was uh pretty much in charge at that point and you know jim uh jim kind of you know, uh, goes overboard sometimes. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he just (laughs) fired Kenny right off the bat, stripped us of the belts and uh, declared there was a a new tournament going forward. And um, while I made it to the finals of that tournament uh, with a uh, oddball tag team partner in Charlie Haas. uh, Oh, yeah. Yep. You know, um, I never uh, won those titles again, and that's something that uh, always uh, haunts me a little bit, you know? Yeah, I could see that. Definitely, because you never really lost it, you know, to begin with. But, man, if you think about it, like at that time period, like I said, the Bucks, the Briscoes, didn't even mention the Wolves or the Kings, Kings of Wrestling. You guys yeah. were at the top of the heap. I mean, there's so many good uh, tag teams at that point. Yeah, yeah, it was it was crazy really to get – to the top of the heap because like when we started teaming we were literally at the bottom of the heap you know and it was uh you know with all those teams and you know um i mean we're not just talking about like uh you know makeshift tag teams or uh tag teams that you know were around for a few months like we're talking about guys who are still tagging to this day <laughs> you know and uh guys that people talk about as great tag teams of all time and to make it through all those guys and to get the titles, it was, uh, it was very rewarding. And then, uh, and then once we're shipped, it was kind of just like, now what, <laughs> you know, like now what? 
Yeah, whew, definitely a disappointment. So after that, as you kind of regroup, like you said, you were teamed with Haas a little bit. I know eventually you get the ROH World title match against Kevin Steen, which which is great, um, versus Scum. Then you join Scum. I mean, you kind of had a, a lot of different roles at that point. Did you feel, you know, you, were you happy in your role? Did you kind of aspire for more? What were your thoughts on as you're you know, kind of rolling through ROH, getting the title shot and, and everything else you had going on? Yeah, um, you know, uh, I um, I'm very happy with, with my time in Ring of Honor. Um, got to do uh, a lot of different things, you know. From you know, because after the Charlie Haas, I got the team of BJ Whitmer for a little bit, and then I wound up joining Scum, and I was uh, you know teaming with uh, guys like Jimmy Jacobs and Cliff Compton and uh, and Matt Hardy, you know. So that you know, and, and being managed by Steve Carino and you know, uh when people ask me who's my favorite wrestler of all time, I say Steve Carino because when I was growing up, you know, I was constantly emailing Steve Carino and I'd see him sign online and then <laughs> I'm really aging myself here and I'd instant message him online on AIM and stuff and I feel bad so bad now <laughs> because the poor guy, you know, was probably like, Man, like does this guy ever leave me alone or what? You know? <laughs> but then to, you know, have him manage me and, uh, you know, get to sit under his learning tree was, you know, amazing. And, um, then, um, then I went away from ring of honor for a little while, you know, uh, when scum disbanded and we were exiled from ring of honor. And, uh, I popped back up with a familiar face and Kenny King when, uh, the, when the Briscoe brothers uh, made their open challenge at All-Star Extravaganza. So, uh, and that was a very cool moment getting to come back with Kenny and, you know, the the crowd, you know, remembering us. Because at that point, it was kind of like a whole different crowd from, like, when we were um, teaming beforehand, you know. Uh, it was like, you know, um, all, like, the Ring of Honor faithful fans had kind of, left and there was a new crop of fans that came in through like the Sinclair era and you know there's a whole new crop of fans coming up with like the Bullet Club and, and stuff like that and um, it was cool that they remembered us and were behind us just like uh, they were when we left off. Yeah, and it's interesting to kind of get that team to return which is pretty cool but then you know as you're kind of going through there was this guy, the Romantic Touch, who also uh, showed up uh, and kind of made a name for himself as well. Yeah, you know, people always ask me about this Romantic Touch guy. And uh, <laughs> while we, uh, we you know, look similar, I mean, obviously I'm in better shape than him. So that's, you know, your first right, uh, first right off the spot there. Um, you know, I uh, appreciate, you know, uh, his uh, character and, you know, his antics, you know, is quite comical, but, um, yeah, you know, I, I, uh, I don't really see, uh, the comparison and I, I don't get it, but, um, you know, it's, uh, it's nice to think that people thought that I was, uh, you know, still running around hiding my beautiful face under a mask and, uh, you know, prancing around with roses and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, obviously, when the romantic touch was unmasked, it was Matt Taven. So, uh, yes, you know, I, yep. I, I still don't, I still don't see why people are so um, set that it that was me under the mask. You know, I, I'll never get it. Yep, true, true. <laughs> now, as far as Will Ferrara and the dogs and that tag team, did you feel that the chemistry was as strong with him as it was with Kenny with the All Night Express? So, um, it was funny because, um, you know, uh, like, uh, a lot of times, like, cause we lived close to each other. I would ride with like Grizzly Redwood to shows and stuff like that. And, uh, um, his last show was actually Will Ferrara's first show. And like Grizz left, I kind of just like adopted Will on the road with me cause you know, he lived you know, uh, fairly close and, um, we travel together a lot of the times and, um, he, uh, you know, I, 
you know, he was a very hungry kid, and uh, we were our chemistry outside of the ring was probably so much better um, than in the ring. Um, and we never thought of each other as a tag team. And we would just do all these like videos on Twitter together. And just, you know, we had this like big dog and little Willie thing going. And then like a, um, uh, a promoter um, was just like, Hey, I'm going to make you guys a tag team on my show. And we we're just like, uh, Okay, yeah, that'll be fun, you know. And we had this match, and Carrie Silken and Delirious just, you know, uh, happened to be at that show. And Carrie goes to Delirious like, "This, this needs to be going on in Ring of Honor." And uh, Delirious, you know, he mumbled something that nobody really knew what he said, but um, it uh, it eventually um, popped up in Ring of Honor, and. Uh, it was uh it was very um it was very fun you know I, I I always had a good time uh dogging on little Willie and you know watching him get angry because that's you know what I would do most of the time to uh, keep myself entertained on the road you know it's like uh, how am I gonna mess with little Willie today <laughs> yep and uh, and you know he's got like a short fuse and he would just uh you know, blow up and I would just sit there and laugh and laugh and laugh. And, you know, that's kind of how our, um, our tag team went as well. And, uh, then, uh, we'll, um, wrestle cheeseburger and, uh, it was a loser leaves ring of honor match. And, uh, will has, um, not been seen in ring of honor since, and has taken over more of a role in, um, training people at the dojo and behind the scenes and that sort of thing. So once again, it kind of left me on my own to, uh, you know, pick up the pieces and find where I was going. How would you kind of describe, you know, your newer gimmick, you know, kind of, what would you say? Like uh, Lex Luger-esque, like flexing and stuff? Or how would you kind of describe the, the new gimmick? Well, you know, it all kind of came up, uh, kind of in a weird way um i uh it was at survival of the fittest um uh, don't quote me on the year uh i want to say maybe 2018 sounds about right um and um i was i was told that i was on commentary that night and i was like uh Okay, uh, do some commentary. And then I was just sitting there thinking, and I was watching the show, and I was talking to Mark Briscoe, and I was like, hey, uh, what would you think if uh, if I went out to do commentary thinking that this was a, a bodybuilding, uh, you know, competition, survival of the fittest, and I was all oiled up and flexing? And he was like, I, I think that'd be pretty funny. And I was like, uh, all right, let's do it. So I uh, got down into a little uh, a little speedo and oiled myself up and went out there and, and uh, you know started flexing and went out the commentary, thinking that it was a bodybuilding competition. And uh, I didn't really tell anybody I was going to do it, and everybody seemed to really like it. And then um, like the Global Wars tour was the next week and. Um, Everybody was like, and uh, it was just like every night I was on commentary, you know, going out there and uh, in my speedo again, flexing, and I was just like, all right, you know, uh, this 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 can be fun. Um, it uh, and it kind of just like took on a life of its own from there. Uh, I, you know, everybody was talking about how great of shape I was in, and. To be honest, I kind of thought it was a rib for a long time. I thought, like, the whole locker room was in on this elaborate rib to think I was in better shape than I really was um, because I, I grew up a fat kid, so if you've ever been a fat kid growing up, you you always kind of have body dysmorphia pretty much for your whole life, you know? So right. when yep. you when when you look in the mirror and you look at yourself, you don't really see what these other people are seeing. So like, I was like, man, like these guys are just ribbing me. Like, you know, and then like when I watched like the, um, like the, 
the on demand on the honor club back, I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> I guess this is what everybody's talking about. And then it just kind of gave more fuel to the fire to like get in even better shape, you know? Um, because at that point I had been, I had been working out every day, two times a day. And, you know, I vegetarian and my diet was just on point. And we had just gotten off the Jericho cruise too. And, to be honest, to be honest, I didn't really eat a lot on the Jericho cruise because there wasn't really much I could eat being a vegetarian. So, um, you know, I just had a lot of protein shakes and, you know, stuff like that and would nibble on some carrots and celery when I would get the chance. But, but, um, yeah, so, uh, turned out to not be a rib and I turned out to be in really good shape. And I was just like, Oh yeah, let's, uh, let's just keep this running. And, uh, it's something that, uh, you know, it's just a part of my everyday life now, working out two times a day. And, uh, you know, when I when I don't get to work out in the morning, and uh, it kind of throws my whole day off, you know. It's something mm-hmm. that's very therapeutic, you know, um, and it's very uh, – helps with anxiety, helps with stress. Um, very good feeling comes from it. For sure. Now, as we start to wind it down and head towards the finish, did also want to mention a absolutely gigantic show that you were a part of and one of the biggest shows in Ring of Honor history, if not the biggest, Ring of Honor New Japan G1 Supercard in Madison Square Garden back in April of 2019. What did you think about that relationship between New Japan and Ring of Honor? What did you think about just that show in general? I mean, selling out Madison Square Garden and not being the WWF, pretty crazy. Yeah, you know, like when before we were talking about the Hammerstein Ballroom, when we uh, when we moved into that building, I was like, wow, you know, this is as big as it gets, you know, to to think that Ring of Honor would be going to Madison Square Garden would just it was just you know it just wasn't in the the cards for us, you know, it wasn't wasn't a thing, and to be able to team up with New Japan and to go into that building was just a a a dream come true right there. Never mind sell the place out and you know, just I'll never forget, like uh right before I went out for the Honor Rumble, um one of the guys, Jordan, who was working for Ring of Honor at the time, there was a problem with the um the meet and greet before the show with some people and, you know, some people got left out of the meet and greet. And he, like, right before I go out there, he's like, hey, uh, could you do me this favor real quick and take these pitch, these photos with these fans and sign these and da-da-da-da? I was like, yeah, sure, you know. So I got brought into, like, the, the Rangers locker room real quick. And I, I, was, I was a diehard Devils fan growing up. So I was like, oh, man, Rangers, oh, you know. And then I got to go to the Knicks locker room, and my son really liked the Knicks too. So, oh. And then they're like, hey, come on, come on, come on. You got to go, got to go, got to go. I was like, oh, you know, and uh, – so, uh, you know, you and uh, you got to go out there and just kind of stop and look around and soak it all in and just, like, damn, man, like, this is this is amazing, you know, from from being at the first show at the Murphy Rec Center to uh, being here, standing in the middle of rain, flexing in Madison Square Garden, it, it you know, it really was a uh, dream come true. That is awesome. And, of course, part of the honor rumble that Kenny King ends up winning. You're the old tag partner. So uh, you kind of had to be a little bittersweet, right? It's like, God damn it. You know, like, my old partner wins the same thing. Yeah, you know, uh, it was uh, – I, I would say I was proud of proud of him if, uh, you know, he wasn't hiding under the ring for half the match. But, <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, you know, good for him. I mean – you know, if he wants to take the shortcuts and the easy way out to get victories, it's kind of it's kind of always been Kenny King's mo. And uh, you know, like he did to me at Final Battle, getting his little uh, hoochie mama manager involved to where he could capitalize on that and beat me. It's one of those things where uh, you know. Payback's going to come to Kenny King, and it's going to come in uh, a vicious form. 
Nice, like that. Now, as far as you in your career, do you have favorite matches or favorite opponents looking back? Um, well, anytime I um, got to get in the ring with the Briscoes, that one it was uh, always one of my favorite matches. Um, out of all of them, my favorite with them was probably Honor Takes Center Stage Night 2 from Atlanta, Georgia. Just an absolute bloodbath. <laughs> you know, uh, um, really fond of that match. Um, uh, and Ring of Honor just did an episode of my uh, favorite matches of my career. Um, that one, unfortunately, couldn't uh, be put on TV because it was a little too bloody for TV. But it's available yep. on Honor Club. But um, they did, uh, we did have uh, me and Kenny versus Adam Cole and Kyle Riley from Final Battle 2010. Really, really big fan of that match. Uh, we had me and Kenny's return at All-Star Extravaganza against um, the Briscoes, which was another favorite match of mine. And um, also uh, it had uh, myself versus Jonathan Gresham um, in a singles match from Future of Honor which was another uh, really, really good match. I've been in there with a lot of, lot of great technical wrestlers over the years, you know, from Brian Danielson to, you know, Tyler Black to Roderick Strong, and Jonathan Gresham is by far one of the best. Are there some dream matches or dream opponents left out there that you actually haven't wrestled yet, guys you're dying to wrestle? Um, so, uh, I've been blessed to get in the ring with, you know, a lot of great wrestlers. Um, while we've tired teamed, uh, and six man tired and eight man tired before the one guy that I would really like in a singles match, um, would be Austin Aries as he was my trainer. And it's always, uh, you know, I always wanted to see how I would match up against him in the ring. Um, um, and as far as like newer guys that are you know coming up in Ring of Honor right now, um, uh, I would like uh, probably like a match with Bandito. I think he's really really good. Um, and you know, anytime you can get in the ring with a guy like Jonathan Gresham or Jay Lethal or Tracy Williams again, you know, and just have that pure wrestling match. It, it, those would all be uh, really good to revisit once again. Now, as far as you and like your future and everything, where do you see yourself in, in a couple of years? Like if, you know, you're just kind of looking forward and looking down the line, see yourself still in ring of honor world champion, like kind of where do you see yourself in a few years? Um, to be honest, uh, I see myself jacked as hell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, uh, um, I mean, uh, Ring of Honor is home. Uh, I love Ring of Honor. They've been very good to me over the years, treat me very well. And, um, you know, they have a very accommodating schedule for uh, people with families and that sort of thing. And uh, I honestly love it there. Um, so there's nowhere else where I would rather be than Ring of Honor. So I definitely still see myself here. Um, still see myself grinding to stay in the best shape that I possibly can and uh, you know um, I mean if the right tag partner comes along again I would love to make a uh, run at the tag titles once again because I'm a really really big fan of tag team wrestling absolutely love it Um, and uh, with now with the pure title re-emerging I would love to get a crack at that and uh, get in the mix there. And as well as the TV title, the world title, you know, who the hell knows, you know, um, we're, uh, we're not promised tomorrow. I think everybody's kind of learned that lately with, you know, this whole Corona COVID-19 thing. I mean, you know, uh, I'm just going to continue to treat every match like my first match and every match like my last match because who knows when uh, Father Time is going to come knocking. Well said indeed. Brett, thank you uh, so much for all the time. But before we let you go, please give us all your social media plugs and everywhere where the fans can uh, see you and reach out and touch you. Yeah, um, you can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram 
at Rhett Titus A-N-X. That's R-H-E-T-T-T-I-T-U-S-A-N-X. Uh, also, Facebook.com slash Rhett Titus. YouTube.com slash Rhett Titus. You could get a T-shirt of mine at ProWrestlingTees.com slash Rhett Titus A-N-X as well as a new T-shirt that Ring of Honor just put out for me at ROHWrestling.com. So on the Pro Shop, get a get the new Red Tire shirt over there. Um, and I'm on TikTok as well, at Red Titus. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, and also uh, if you guys have the Fight app or the Honor Club, go make sure to watch the uh, the Best of Ring of Honor the, the best of Red Titus and Ring of Honor episode, which I believe is episode 465, came out a few weeks ago. So, uh, and you'd be able to get to see some of those matches that I was talking about here today with you, John. Nice, awesome stuff. And of course, best wishes of you as you go forward in Ring of Honor as they, you know, come out with more and more tapings and obviously the Honor Club and everything else. So, great stuff today, Red Fellow, New Jersey. In, I guess you could say, fellow New Jersey guy, Red. So, uh, Welcome to New Jersey. Put your lighters up. <laughs> well, thank you uh, so much uh, for all time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, John. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.